Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you're a 415er, you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, 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 and more. And more. Welcome to the 415, hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? The 415ers with you as always. Three times a week, Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy. Mark, 49ers fall in week six to the Atlanta Falcons. They're now three and three, back to 500. Atlanta is 500 now. Uh, I, I think this is this is a tough L. Like this is a tough L to take, and it seems like a lot of 49ers feel that way, Mark. How how are you feeling after after the 28-14 defeat? Uh discouraged. It was a, a a really ugly game for the 49ers offensively, defensively, a lot of mistakes. I think you have to mention at least near the top of the discussion of this game, Evan, all the injuries. There were some that happened in the game that we'll certainly get to. And Kyle Shanahan has provided no really update on them. At least we know at this point they, they shouldn't be too severe with uh, Mooney Ward and, and Mike McGlinchey. At least that's what it seems like at this point. But you come into the game, you're playing without six defensive starters. You're down Trent Williams. You're down your starting running back. Of course, you know, you're down your starting quarterback from the from early in the season. So that's obviously a part of the story in this one. But you just look at some of the numbers. I mean, the 49ers are a team that wants to run the ball down your throat. They get 50 rushing yards in this game. I mean, just not good enough on really every level, offense, defense, special teams. And uh, you do that against not a great team, but but a decent team in the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to take advantage, and they did, 28-14. to 14. They won on their home field. They looked really good. Marcus Mariota won in completion all game long, only threw 14 passes. Um, but just simply not good enough for the 49ers. Yeah, and that that's kind of where we have to start. It's Although it is a difficult loss, it's one that, watching the game, it, it made sense. I mean, Kyle Shanahan in his press conference after the game came out and said, quote, look, real obvious what happened today. Like, it, he didn't complicate things, and I don't think you need to. When you're a 49ers team that's, as you mentioned, predicated on running the football, you don't outrush your opponent your minus and turnover differential. You turn the ball over three times and you don't show any explosion on offense except, well, outside of the, towards the end of the first half. Yeah. But you let Atlanta hang around. You let them get out to their early lead. And then they basically got to dictate the tempo of the game. And this was probably the biggest question that I had. We, we sort of tossed it around in jest because the Falcons, I don't think either of us would, would consider them a contender, but but a team specifically that can run the football effectively and especially run the football with their quarterback combined with 
how would the 49ers play from behind? Well, we kind of saw today. We, we saw them back on their heels. We saw them be unable to make plays when they needed to. And they were unable to overcome mistakes. Like there, there is less room for error on this 49ers team than people maybe realized after last week. But those, those, those deficiencies, those signs that maybe unfairly we saw against Denver, like they're still there. I mean, early in the season, there, there's some, some, some cracks in the armor of the 49ers. Like they are not a perfect team by any means. And Atlanta exposed some of those weaknesses today. Yeah, they did. And, you know, again, I, I think you do have to emphasize, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Now, there's issues offensively. I mean, you run the ball 16 times for 50 yards, just over three a pop. Well, they, longest... weren't really, they weren't really allowed to run the ball. Like, That's they true. were behind I mean, 14 nothing early yeah. and couldn't uh, couldn't get anything going. Yeah, a lot of it was kind of how the game went. You fall behind 14 nothing. Part of that is the offense's fault. The Jeff Wilson Jr. fumble on the team's uh, first drive after the Falcons open up the game with a touchdown, that fumble recovered and taken back for six. You blink and suddenly you're down 14 nothing. The offense responded well after that. They tied it back up in the first half. Atlanta got a score uh, to close the half to go up by a score and then one touchdown in the third quarter, and that was it. Um, but I, I do think we need to emphasize um, how difficult it, it has to be for this defense to play with the players that are out there. I mean, you, you, you're playing without entering the game, without Nick Bosa, without Emmanuel Mosley, without Jimmy Ward, without Aziz Alshire, and without your tackles, Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw. And Javon Kinlaw, now that we know, is, is headed for IR. Shanahan did say today that, that he expects him to play again this season, but will miss at least a handful more games. Also, then, in the first drive, Talanoa Hufanga goes out for, for most of that drive. He, he, he comes back, and, and he seems to be all right. Sanson Ebukam went out as well with an injury at, at one point in that first drive, but he came back, and he seems fine. Notably, though, a man, or pardon me, Mooney Ward and Mike McGlinchey did not play in the entire second half. So you consider this is a team that for most of the game was playing without seven of their defensive starters including both defensive tackles, both starting cornerbacks, your edge rusher, uh, a safety, your strong side linebacker. I mean, it's it's incredible the number of players that have gone down with injury. And, you know, we've talked a lot, and I'm not sure that there's blame to be assigned there to any individual person. Is it just a case of terrible luck year after year? Maybe. Uh, but the reality is, you're without that many key players. You were down four of your six captains going into this game. Your only captains that were able to play were Fred Warner and George Kittle. You have six captains and four of them were out for this game. It's going to be a challenge no matter who you play. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Shanahan was right. It's really simple. You rush the ball 16 times for 50 yards. They rush the ball 40 times for 168 yards. You turn the ball over three times, two interceptions and a fumble. Also, a, a turnover on downs late in the game. I mean, you're not going to overcome that. I think if you asked me and probably yourself, uh, you know, you gave you the blind statistics before the game, which team would rush for 40 times for 168 yards? Which team, which team would rush 16 times for 50 yards? Despite the fact that the Falcons are a, a pretty good 
uh, you know, rushing team, I would probably venture to guess that the Niners would be more likely to run the ball 40 times. But the the, the flip was totally uh, the, the script, excuse me, was totally flipped. And it was the Falcons winning football games like the Niners want to. They they kind of gave the Niners a bit of their uh, taste of their own medicine. And uh, it was it was difficult because the Niners just could not get anything going offensively aside from those two drives in the first half to tie the game up and, and they were scoreless the entire second half, just a rough, rough day. I mean, how many times do you see Jimmy Garoppolo throw 41 times? That, that just doesn't happen. No. And he threw the ball 26 times in the second half alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, look, he had two touchdowns, two interceptions. One of them was at the end of the first half, probably could have had two, maybe three. I know there were a couple throws in the second half that were almost intercepted. There was also a lot of drops today and, and, and we're certainly going to, dig deeper I, I think the offense is is the one that we need to look at the most because as much as the injuries play a factor defensively and I think they showed up particularly in the red zone where the Falcons between the 20 like we've seen teams go between the 20s on the 49ers before I mean it's not yeah. like teams haven't gotten yardage against the 49ers defense but when they get into the red zone the 49ers opponents previously they have been stopped. They have been walled off. They have been forced to get field goals instead of touchdowns. The Falcons scored four, counted four touchdowns. No, sorry, well, three. Technically, one was on a defensive touchdown. But three. they'd allowed five touchdowns through five games, and they gave up three today to a team whose offense was also missing at starting running back, as we highlighted earlier last week. So as much as I do understand the injuries to the defense and even some during the middle of the game that that certainly impacted the way things went, you know, and, and that's, that's probably why Kyle Pitts is matched up with Samuel Womack in the red zone. And, you know, you're putting a six, five, it's a mismatch tight end on a five foot 10 guy who they're about the same speed. Like that, that's a matchup that Kyle Pitts is going to win against Samuel Womack, a third eight times out of 10. And he did it. And, but, but the, the thing to me, Mark, I don't know about you, but defensively, there seemed to be a lack of, I don't know if it's gap integrity or an understanding of where the Falcons wanted to go, particularly in the read option game. Like, they just kind of took yards three, four, five, six at a time, and they had the 49ers rush defense on their heels the entire game. Some of that is, is sure, they're missing guys up front. But part of that is, too, Look, there's a there's a play that was that was big. Uh, I think it was in the second half, but you know Marcus Mariota just just pulls it simply, and, and Ebukam bites on the running back, yep. sweeps it outside, and it's a 15 yard run. Like not, not, that's not necessarily a play that you know is going to turn into you know a, a sack or a fumble, but you know you got to maintain. You got to you got to understand who you're supposed to be on that play. Like if the quarterback's reading you, then you have to stay home. And there was too much of that to me. There were too much simplicity on the Atlanta Falcons offense for me that was effective against the 49ers defense today. Whether you want to blame injuries or not, it just seemed like they're, they weren't as disciplined today as a D'Amico Ryan's defense that we've seen in the past. Yeah, I mean, it, this is probably their their worst day of the year. I mean, you could say maybe the, the, the second half against the Bears was pretty bad, but I mean, week one in the rain, in the monsoon, whatever, you can kind of throw that out. I would agree this is probably their worst performance even when you consider, um, you know, all the injuries that they've been dealing with, it that's still a, a really, you know, 
easy bar to clear their worst performance of the year because they've been far and away the best the best defense in the NFL. So it's not saying all that much, but still when a team is able to run the ball 40 times, they get over four yards per carry with that number of attempts. That's impressive for any offense, and it doesn't matter what defense you're going against. Um, I will say about Marcus Mariota, I think he was kind of the key to unlocking uh, most of their offense because he he didn't run the ball that often. Six carries for him, six attempts, but 50 yards. When he ran, he gashed the 49ers. Over eight yards a carry for Mariota. Had a 20-yard scamper. I think it's that one you're referencing, the one where Ebukam just simply failed to hold the edge, and he turned that into a 20-yard gain. He also rushed for a touchdown on a play, uh, I believe that was in the first half, uh, to, to give the Falcons a lead. Um, and I think that's where the Nick Bosa injury maybe affects the 49ers more so than people um, were expecting or, you know, because I think, you know, when you think of Nick Bosa, you think, all right, he's just this elite pass rusher and he's going to get a sack or two a game. Like you can book him for a sack or two, a number of pressures. He'll force him into completions because a quarterback will throw off his back foot trying to escape the pressure from Nick Bosa. But where he's really good, Evan, and I think where he is underrated, it's his ability to hold the edge and to stay true and to keep rushers, whether it's a running back or a quarterback, inside. He does not let people get outside of him. He stays outside. He sets that edge on the defensive side of things, and he forces everything back to the middle of the defense where you have Fred Warner, you have Dre Greenlaw, you have your big guys in the middle on the line ready to make tackles. I think that's where Nick Bosa was really missed in this game because the Niners still got some pressure on Marcus Mariota in this game, despite the fact that he only threw one incompletion. It was not the pass game that beat the Niners. It was the run game, and Nick Bosa is a severely underrated player at stopping the run by making tackles himself and just by forcing rushers back up into the middle where the Niners have a lot of support. Yeah, I, that's one of the reasons why I felt like he needed to play today. I mean, if if he could have been able to, and who knows, you know, whether the groin had flared up. I know he was a participant on Friday at practice, but that was more of a walkthrough, so it wasn't really, you know, full speed. And they figured that, look, we're not going to risk any further injury. Hopefully he'll be back next week against Kansas City. Uh, but but that to me is why he did need to play is because and he is so good in the run game. And Shanahan did say post game he had a real chance. They weren't just you know trotting him out there for whatever reason. He had a, he had a real chance to play, but just couldn't quite couldn't quite go. Yeah, and, and who knows if you know, he is the key to you know stopping Mariota in the run game? And Shanahan specifically referenced the third and thirteen right before the half where Mariota just kind of. Yeah. You know, contain breaks, bust it up the gut, extends the drive, and then they end up going up a score into the half. Um, you know, it's it's just like, and, and I don't want to continue to harp on on the defense because to me, most of the problems lied offensively. But it was it was just a little bit disheartening considering not not I don't want to say it was the first true test, but but again, it's it it's a team that is very formulaic like you know exactly what they're going to do and that's i think why a lot of fans are frustrated that the 49ers could not key in on exactly oh they didn't seem to be able to do it until look uh, until really the second half like the falcons kind of had their way in the first half i thought that the 49ers defense got a little bit better in the second half but the offense just kind of didn't really pull their weight yeah i mean the, the defense got 
a lot of stops in that second half after that first touchdown drive in the third quarter for the Falcons. They went up 28 to 14, and obviously that was the final score. No one scored since then, but the defense did their job. They got stop after stop after stop. You know, you're watching this game at home or wherever you're watching from, and you're thinking, all right, you know, the defense got a stop offense. You know, you need to go down, get a score, make it a one score game. And I think most people. Evan had confidence in the defense's ability to get another stop, to get the stops necessary to allow the Niners to, you know, get back in this game, maybe force overtime, maybe win in regulation, who knows, or at least have a chance uh, to, you know, get that second score and, and even this game up. Uh, but simply the offense couldn't do it. This isn't a, a bad Atlanta defense, but um, probably not, definitely not the best defense the Niners have faced so far this year. Um, you could make a case that, you know, the Chicago Bears, the Denver Broncos, the uh, L.A. Rams all have better defenses than the Falcons. So it's not like this was the biggest challenge the offense is going to be facing up to this point in the year. Uh, and the offense simply couldn't get it done. So I agree. The defense had its struggles, specifically in the run game. And there were some mistakes and breakdowns. But uh, you score 14 points on offense. You're not going to win many games. Before history is written. It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that's why I want to shift gears here. Uh, before we do that, I remind everyone to download, subscribe, and rate to the 415ers podcast. Five stars only, despite a one-star effort today from the 49ers <laughs> against the Falcons. Uh, Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy with you as always. I'm on social at eGiddings10. Mark is on social at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. Now, let's, let's, let's dig into the offense, Mark, because... We've seen the 49ers defense be able to win games for the team over the course of Shanahan's tenure, and especially this season. This is always the question. When, when the defense has a bad day or when they're banged up and they have a bad day, can the offense pull its own weight? And I don't think it was all on Garoppolo today. Sometimes it absolutely is. Against Denver, it was. He was terrible in the second half. But the 49ers offense, because of some early mistakes, because of turnovers, because of drops, because of ill-timed penalties, this is an offense with very little room for error if they do not run the ball effectively, which they did not today. And that is, to me, why you end up with 14 points against a Falcons team. That is why you're playing from behind the entirety of the football game. And that is why they allowed Atlanta to basically dictate the terms of this game first on offense, but then without being able to respond with your own firepower, having enough to put up points, it, it just, it's really tough to see how 
this offense is going to be able to win you a game when they can't run the if they have to beat you through the air, I bet there's a lot of teams looking at the Niners right now saying we could probably take them down any given Sunday. Yeah, probably licking their chops. And you know, I'll I'll admit that Jimmy Garoppolo I thought was pretty darn good in the first half. It took a little bit to get going. Didn't score on the first drive. In fact, back-to-back three and outs opened things offensively for the 49ers. It was 14-0, two three and outs for the 49ers. They got the ball back after the defense had had a big sack. I believe it was Drake Jackson, a sack of Marcus Mariota right at the line of scrimmage to force a punt. Niners got the ball back, and Jimmy Garoppolo led him right down the field uh, four for four, 48 yards and a touchdown. Next drive after another stop by the Niners defense. Jimmy Garoppolo, three for three, 31 yards and a touchdown, both to Brandon Ayuk, who kind of had his breakout game offensively, at least, you know, in the, the statistic numbers. Kyle Shanahan will say he's been playing great even without those catches. But in those two drives offensively, Garoppolo was perfect. Seven for seven, a couple of touchdowns. And the, the Niners offense was humming. But, of course, that's all they scored. I I do think he deserved better in the second half, Evan. Uh, He threw a beautiful deep ball to Ray-Ray McLeod. It just bounced off his fingertips. It's one that he has to catch. Had a big throw down the middle to uh, second-string tight end Charlie Warner, who it was a perfect throw. Uh, He should have caught that one as well. There was a nice throw down the field to Brandon Ayuk, which was caught, but it was called back because of a penalty. He made some throws and some throws that he doesn't normally make in that second half uh, that, you know, his his receivers dropped, that there was a penalty on the offensive line, whatever the case is. He, I think, was better than the, the numbers suggest. I mean, two touchdowns, two interceptions. You mentioned one of those interceptions, just a heave at the end of a half. Who cares? So be it doesn't really matter. I thought Jimmy Garoppolo played Decent and, and pretty good in the first half, uh, but he he also did miss a few in the second half as well. I'm not sure you can you can pin all of this on him. Uh, a lot of it's on the run game, of course, but I thought Jimmy Garoppolo was better than a 14 put output by by an offense. I, I really think he had some some pretty good moments in this game that I caught myself thinking, all right, you know, I'm surprised a little bit, but. Uh, I mean, you're the quarterback and you put up 14 points. You're going to deserve some blame, but I, I don't think he deserves all of it. No, I don't think he does either. And and I'm with Kyle Shanahan, who said after the game that like, Jimmy was, quote, on fire in the first half. He, he was. Yeah. He, he's 12 of 15, 112 yards, had two touchdowns, and then the meaningless pick. Like, he was very good in the first half, and that's a big reason why they got immediately back into the game to tie it at 14. But, of course, then Atlanta takes advantage of the 49ers mistakes. And that's, I think where fans do have frustration as well as a valid case against Garoppolo today. It's not that he was bad. It's not that he was great, but he as a quarterback is not able to overcome mistakes around him. Now it's, it's, it's tough when guys are dropping balls, especially on big, potentially chunk plays, like you mentioned. And on that first drive of the second half, I would also throw in Ayuk. I mean, there's you know a little six yard slant. That's a catchable ball. He's he probably should make. He made an, an, a more acrobatic catch later in the game on a third down to keep a drive alive. So he drops that ball. Next deep ball to Raver McLeod. It goes right through his mitts. And then later, as you mentioned, Charlie Warner up the middle, like that hits him basically in in the teeth. Like he could have caught that with his mouth, and he he couldn't. So Jimmy Garoppolo was on point today. 
And then, you know, but on the flip side, he also tries to force a ball on third down to Debo Samuel that gets tipped up and intercepted. Yeah. That's a that's that's more of the the Jimmy pass that I think people want to focus on as opposed to those those drops. But I hear what you're saying. He was good today, but when the running game isn't there and the defense doesn't have its best performance, or you know maybe its worst performance. I know they've been historically amazing, but you know they were they weren't great today as a whole. Injuries aside, Jimmy is a guy that people. They, like that's that's where you kind of see the the ceiling. Like he he's not going to be able to yeah. will you back into a football game unless everyone around him is also doing their job, which they didn't today. And that's that's why I, to me he doesn't deserve all the blame. Is because look, there were there are people that could have made plays to pick him up, but he's also not the guy that's going to then pick them up when they make mistakes around him. Yeah, I mean, I think in this in this discussion. Um, expectations matter. And if you're disappointed or, you know, maybe a little surprised that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play better, didn't put the team on his back, I would ask you what in the past has given you the idea that that's who Jimmy Garoppolo is. Cause it's, it's just not like you're, you're not going to get games where Jimmy Garoppolo says, Hey, no worries, guys, I will win this game by myself. Like I, I I'll just do it. Like Maybe the, the best instance of that is back in 2019, that game in the Superdome against the Saints where Jimmy Garoppolo maybe had his best outing as a 49er. There were other players that had really big plays. I mean, the George Kittle took taking the whole Saints defense for a ride down the sideline on a fourth down late in the game. That one stands out. But still, that was probably the best, like, I'll put the team on my back performance by Jimmy Garoppolo. But you have one example of that maybe in a long, long time and a big sample of him as your starting quarterback, I would say you should not be surprised that Jimmy Garoppolo was unable to do more. Uh, I mean, in this game, I'm willing to say I thought he he played better than I was expecting. It's just because you have expectations for this sort of thing. No one, I don't think anyone should be expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to be capable of doing those things, but he's certainly capable of managing a game, of managing a lead but the Niners never led in this game. So I'm not really sure what people should be expecting beyond this. I mean, when Jimmy Garoppolo is trailing and the Niners are forced to pass the ball 41 times like they were tonight or today, uh, simply it's, it's not going to work out well too often. So I think the issue is, you know, early in the game, one, the, you fall behind and you can blame both the offense and the defense for it. But then it's just simply never being able to get that offense going and and that run game going specifically. Um, And I think that's where expectations come in. You can blame Jimmy Garoppolo all you want, but the reality is I think the Niners and most people know Jimmy Garoppolo is not the quarterback that's going to be able to dig you out of that hole. So you need to do so elsewhere, specifically the run game, and it just never happened. So um, I'm, I'm with you that Garoppolo does not deserve all the blame, but I think also you have to consider expectations because it's just it simply is not going to happen often where Garoppolo is able to to bring your team back from the brink like some other star quarterbacks do because that's just simply not who he is. No, but can you understand how fans might view this game against I I'm not going to call Atlanta inferior to me that's a that's a term for a team like Carolina, but they're average. I mean they're they're probably close to a 500 team, maybe a game above, probably a game below by the end of the season. 
Can you see how fans would feel like, well, if you can't do it against Atlanta, why would I expect you to be able to bail us out in a game where it does matter in a game like the playoffs in a game where, I mean, and, 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 maybe, and maybe that's just not your expectation, but like, I think that's where fans are. are people are just more, um, more disappointed because maybe you're hoping for something that's not there, but like that, that's that you also see, like I said, you see the ceiling of this team. I mean, I, I would suggest that, don't get your hopes up when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo in that regard. I mean, he's again, he's a he's a fine quarterback. He's better than replacement level, but he's not the guy that is going to take your team from down 14 points in the second half and come back and win the game when he's getting nothing from his running game. It, it's just simply not going to happen. And I would totally agree with the fans that that watch a performance like this and say, if he can't do this against Atlanta, how is he going to do it in a a bigger stage against a better team, potentially with higher stakes like playoffs on the line or in a playoff game. And I would say that's a fantastic question because he probably won't. Again, it's it's nothing against Jimmy Garoppolo as a person. We've talked a lot on the pod about he's, you know, one of the more level-headed quarterbacks that this league has seen in a really long time, but he's just simply not the guy that's going to put together performances that'll bring you back from games like this. I mean, you look at some of the nine, uh, some of the numbers for Kyle Shanahan, and a lot of these go hand in hand with Jimmy Garoppolo. Since Kyle Shanahan took over as head coach in 2017, the 49ers have been trailing by seven or more points entering the fourth quarter 24 times. Can you guess how many times they've come back to win those 24 games? Again, most of them coming with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. I don't know, like four? Zero. They've been trailing by seven or more entering the fourth quarter. They've had some second half comebacks, but seven or more entering the fourth quarter 24 times under Shanahan, and they have not won once. It's simply not going to happen with the way that this this team is set up. And I think a lot of it is based on who the quarterback is. Shanahan will change things based on who's quarterbacking. But when you have this guy as your quarterback, you're going to have to deal with the fact that you're probably not going to be able to make some of these wild comebacks like you're seeing across the rest of the NFL. Well, then then let's let, let's transition to that last drive, that last drive on offense for the 49ers, because I felt like that was kind of a, mo- a microcosm of the game and maybe a microcosm of some of the issues that you're talking about with the, that 0-24 record when trailing by seven or more in the fourth quarter. They go 16 plays in 80 yards in 8-15. The drive started about 10-30, I think, in the fourth quarter. As we talked about, the defense got a couple of stops yeah. and they, they had the 49ers in a position to potentially come back from down seven or more in the fourth quarter. Eight minute and 13 second drive, 16 plays, 80 yards, turnover on downs, zero points. That was basically the game. I didn't see any sense of urgency in that drive. And it wasn't even because of Jimmy, like. Maybe you could say, hey, Garoppolo's got to rally the troops and get them to the line and, and do that. But, like, I just saw zero sense of urgency in terms of play calling, in terms of recognizing the situation. And it, it was it was almost like Kyle Shanahan was playing to not get more guys injured. Like, like that. that's kind of the way I felt at the end of the drive. Like, okay, well, even if you go down and score, you, you just took eight minutes off the clock. And, and I don't know, maybe that's the way he wanted to run his offense the entire game, but the time to win, time of possession, is not when you're down double digits. 
Yeah. No, I'm with you. And yeah, that drive began all the way back at the one yard line. You mentioned it, it, there's not much urgency. They take up over eight minutes on 16 plays. And Kyle Shanahan said after the game, you know, we would have sped it up more, but we felt confident that we were going to get another possession out of it. They ultimately did, but of course they didn't score on the first possession. So it makes that second possession, you know, empty and, and it doesn't matter at all. I'm with you. That really stood out to me. I mean, I wrote that down before we even talked about what we wanted to hit on, on the episode today. And yeah, it was not much urgency that you did not see the team push the ball down the field that often they converted. It was a long drive. It was a relatively successful drive, but to me, it felt more like a drive where you're up by seven with 10 minutes left. You're trying to kill clock. Instead, it's one where they were down by 14 points with 10 minutes left. You need to score it. You need it quick. You do not need a long drive. You're just making it all the more difficult on your defense if you do get that score and you need another stop to get the ball back. I'm with you. The, the urgency simply wasn't there, and you probably have to you know, split the blame between Shanahan and Garoppolo because both of those guys probably have an impact on how the team is generally moving on a drive like that. And, and you know, less so about the play calling, but more so just about, you know, getting up to the line quick, moving the ball, sprinting up to the line after a 10-yard gain. You just didn't see a ton of that. And the Niners were kind of relaxing, it seemed. And it kind of was strange because the way that they were moving, you would think they were ahead, but they were down by two scores. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, this is the 415ers three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Reaction episode here today to the 49ers falling to the Falcons 28-14 on the road in week six, now three and three on the year. I I I I do want to stick with that, Mark, because like that that drive just it sort of encapsulated to me the effort level that I saw from the 49ers today. And you could make the case that a lot of that has to do with the personnel out there, but also on that drive. Look, maybe it's a quicker drive if, um, you know, Jake Brendel doesn't get called for a hold on Brandon Ayuk's, you know, 30-yard catch down the field. Um, yeah. it, like, th- those those were the kind of plays that seemed to stand out quite frequently, especially in that second half with the amount of drops that we've already highlighted and then, of course, the inopportune penalties. And to just bring it all back to what we started with, like, there was just a lack of, I thought, a lack of discipline defensively. Um, offense not being able to capitalize on the the chances that the Falcons did give them. It was like the 49ers, when they were able to quote unquote get into rhythm, did move the ball on the Falcons. And we saw on those two touchdown drives in the first half, they could certainly score and they could move the ball quickly. Second half, it just didn't happen and they, they couldn't find a rhythm. 
And I think you're right that the running game is the key to all of this. Like this is where the 49ers will win and lose football games at, at most levels, maybe not against bottom feeders like Carolina, but they're going to lose football games if they do not run the ball well. In the Shanahan era, when the 49ers do not rush for 100 yards, they are 8-25. and 25. Three of those wins came in 2019. So if you take that out, the rest of those years, they are 5-24. and 24. This year, they are now 1-3 when they do not eclipse the 100 rushing yard mark. They need to pound the rock. And it's difficult to do that when you fall behind 14-0. But I, I didn't really see any commitment into the run, especially in the second half, until that final drive, ironically, when it looked like they were trying to kill clock down 14. Yeah, and I'm 100% with you. The, the running game is strange. I mean, you mentioned the numbers where Kyle Shanahan generally unsuccessful when his team does not hit 100 or more rushing yards, and he was not close to that today. 50 rushing yards for the 49ers. The last time they got you know 50 or fewer in a game, the NFC Championship game against the Rams, which is strange because they were leading for much of that game. They had 50 rushing yards on 20 attempts against the Rams in the NFC title game last season. You think back to when was the last time they had fewer than 50 yards on the ground in a game. That was way back uh, in the regular season last year against the Arizona Cardinals. That was week nine when the Niners lost to Colt McCoy and the Cardinals 31-17. to That one's a little more understandable because you were down early in that game. Uh, but the numbers on that game on the ground, pitiful. They only oh ran boy. the ball for 39 yards in that game back in a week nine against the Cardinals. So it's it's hard to find, you know, a game similar to this one in terms of the rushing numbers. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan was asked after the game on that uh, third and one and then fourth and two play before the turnover on downs that sealed the game. They ran the ball to Tevin Coleman. He lost a yard, and then the throw to Debo Samuel knocked away and incomplete, and, and the game's over. Uh, he was asked, you know, why not go for the quarterback sneak on that third and one? That's kind of where you've, you've you know, got a lot of conversions this year. And in the past, the Jimmy Garoppolo, and, you know, he, he said that was an option, but we went we went somewhere else. Um, I'm not really one to – to say that maybe the the quarterback sneak was a better option. I honestly was thinking you should probably throw the ball on third and one because the, the clock was beginning to run down. But, you know, I guess it's, you know, splitting hairs at this point. But I'm with you. The run game, the Niners simply are not going to win games when you rush for 50 yards. Um, that's the bottom line. I don't care if you're down 14 points in the first half or not. I mean, despite the fact that they were down 14 points two different times, it was tied in the second quarter. They were down by seven uh, for for a lot of the time between, you know, the end of the second and into the start of the third. The Niners absolutely lost the uh, kind of the double dip end of the first half, start of the second half, where they normally do really well. They got the ball after the Falcons touchdown to take the lead late in the second quarter. That was where the Garoppolo interception happened on the last play of the half. And then they they do nothing on their first drive offensively in the third quarter. The Falcons respond by immediately scoring a touchdown to make it a two-score game. So if we were maybe to pinpoint one area, Evan, where the game was lost, I think you could certainly point towards the end of the game, that long eight-minute drive where there was not much urgency. 
Um, and maybe that's just bad situational football more so than, you know, a, a, a place to point and, and send blame to for the loss. I think you can probably look to those final five minutes of the first half, first five minutes of the second half. That really is where the game turned. And it's generally where the Niners play well, but uh, but that was not the case today. Well, and also that's around the time, to your point off the top, is that's around the time some of those injuries that happen in-game also went down. Charverius Ward goes down in the second quarter. I know Mike McGlinchey gave it his best effort to get back out onto the field, yeah. but he goes down with a calf injury in the second uh, the second quarter. Third quarter officially ruled out along with Mooney Ward. Um, you know, I, And then around that time, too, you, that's where the drops come. Uh, Atlanta takes advantage today on third down, which which was something that I kind of felt but didn't ask, didn't realize how good Atlanta was on third down until about midway through the third quarter. They were nine for 14 today on third down. And a lot of those were were close situations in which you're able to have the option, uh, which seemed to give the Niners a lot of fits to run or pass. But situational football and, and I don't know if you noticed this today, too. But th- there were a lot more missed tackles today, including a couple even by the likes of Fred Warner. I mean, he he didn't wrap up on a couple plays. Um, Hufanga, who, as you mentioned, you know, was out early and then came back in. He wasn't around the football as much as we're accustomed to seeing him. Credit Atlanta, certainly. Um, but there just wasn't as much execution on the 40, 49ers side than Atlanta. Uh, that, that's just the way that it felt to me, and, and I think that's a great point of where the game turned because you kind of saw everything coming into focus as far as Atlanta executing, getting on track, taking advantage of who wasn't on the field for the 49ers, and then San Francisco not being able to overcome that, and then along with also shooting themselves in the foot, dropping some big passes. Yeah, and, and to your point about the tackling, I, I think maybe even in addition to to some of the missed tackles. I think this was also the first time we, we consistently saw opposing ball carriers, whether it was, you know, Caleb Huntley or, or Tyler Algier Huntley rushed 16 times, Algier 15 times. I mean, Mariota had six carries. I think this was the first time we consistently saw opposing ball carriers fall forward. You know, it, that's part of, you know, being sound tacklers. It's, it's not only making the tackle, but it's, not giving up those extra one, two, or three yards where the ball carrier is stopped and he's not going to break free for a, a big gain at that point, but he's pushing the line forward. And, and instead of a, a third and seven, it's going to be a third and four or whatever the case is. Instead of a second and nine, it'll be a second and six. Like those are big yards. And I think we we heard on the broadcast uh, on Fox watching the game, if, if you were watching at home and you weren't out in Atlanta, um, in, in Atlanta watching the game, you you heard the broadcasters, the team say multiple times, those are the plays that that you know keep a win from or that that keep a win that that allow you to win the game, that that keep you ahead, that move the chains, that that uh, you know avoid a loss for you. Those are the plays that do it. And generally it's the Niners coming out on top of those ones, both offensively and defensively. They're gaining those extra yards in their run game and they're not allowing those extra yards defensively. But again, the script was was flipped in this one. And you have to credit the Falcons, who, again, playing without their starting running back and Cordero Patterson, but they kind of did a running back by committee approach, and it worked. And I think maybe the other thing that just popped into my head is I think we have confirmed that there's no other running back on this roster that 
Kyle Shanahan um, trusts other than Jeff Wilson Jr. And, and maybe to a certain extent, Tevin Coleman, even though he was just added. I mean, I, we saw um, Ty Davis Price get back in for some snaps. I know he was in there for at least one offensive snap, but he was as a lead yeah, he's blocker. He mainly on special teams. He, yeah, and, and his one offensive snap that I saw, he was a lead blocker lined up in the fullback spot for a Debo Samuel run. I mean, he's not touching the ball. Jordan Mason is, is not going to carry the ball for this team. And those are rookies. It's not knocks on them, but it's clear that Kyle Shanahan does not trust them. And when Jeff Wilson Jr. isn't doing well and you can't get Debo Samuel working in the run game, suddenly you're just at a loss. Uh, what options, who who can you turn to if you're not going to trust two of the running backs that you dressed? Um, it, it makes things difficult for the 49ers in, in the run game. And maybe this game was an extreme because they had to throw the ball 41 times, but but still, this this was a bad game for the 49ers rushing attack. And it's pretty clear that there are not many ball carriers that, that at this point Shanahan trusts. Well, one of them was on the team last year is Jermichael Hasty. Uh, he I had a big he went, touchdown for the Jaguars. Was, today. He had a 61 yarder earlier today. Yeah. I, th- I thought I recognized that guy when he was <laughs> running to the house. Um, yeah, no, I mean, they, they waved Marlon Mack or released him, I should say. Uh, you know, he's. I don't know. Like we're we're gonna find out what they choose to do at running back, uh, but that absolutely has to change. Like that's that's how they win and, and lose games specifically on offense. Um, you you did mention something. Uh, sorry, I, I think it was it was early on there. Um, oh, it was about about people uh, listening to the pod if they were in Atlanta. That is that is to <laughs> me the one positive from today. That it did sound like there were a lot of 49ers fans in Atlanta today. We heard a lot of juice calls. We heard a lot of defense calls on third down. At least, well, until the 49ers just stopped, decided to stop uh, <laughs> playing defense. I, I just like that. That to me is maybe the one positive. I, I know, look, Brandon Ayuk was, was really good today. Um, I know George Kittle. I know a lot of the garbage yards and receptions were towards the end, but he was also featured quite a bit on offense. Maybe those two guys who we've highlighted in recent episodes deserve some credit. Uh, but I do think the fans probably deserve the most credit out of any 49er today for showing up to a road game uh, and continuing to show the league that, look, the 49er faithful are all around the country. They will travel and they will invade your home, win or loss, apparently. Yeah, uh, I'm agree- I agree with you totally. That it, it kind of felt somewhat like a, a home game or at least more of a neutral site game. The Niner fans travel well. To your point about positives, I'm in agreement with you in terms of the garbage time stat lines. I mean, I think that's mostly what it was for Kittle and Samuel. Um, I mean, I know you you and I were talking. You got George Kittle on your fantasy team, and that garbage time drive yards, Mark. that garbage time drive turned an okay game into a really good game for a tight end. So congratulations there. But I would say I, I wouldn't make that argument for Brandon Ayuk. He was really good in this game. He finishes 11 targets to lead the team, eight catches, 83 yards, and and the team's only two touchdowns. Um, He did have some garbage time catches that kind of pumped those numbers up, but he was the most consistent, reliable, open receiver. He he was beating, beating defensive backs a lot, especially in that first half on those touchdown drives. It was the Garoppolo to to Ayuk show in that first half and those two drives. He was really good in this game. 
I know we mentioned at the top, Shanahan has been singing his praises despite the fact that the numbers haven't been there much to this point, saying he's, you know, quote, playing his ass off, blocking really well, still running routes well, even though the ball isn't getting to him always. Uh, Maybe this is kind of the turning point in his season. I know a lot of people, both inside and outside of the 49ers organization, were kind of predicting an an IU breakout this season. It, It hadn't happened up to this point. This is by far his his best game of the year numbers wise and Shanahan will say numbers do not matter. You, you, you can play well or play poorly, you know, doesn't matter what the numbers are. Um, But certainly he had a really good game today. And I would argue that that one probably stands up more against the garbage time test than the Kittle or or Samuel numbers do. So credit Ayuk, good game. And, and we'll see how he looks moving forward. If maybe he's found something in his uh, relationship and in chemistry with Garoppolo. So only time will tell there, but I think a step in the right direction for Ayuk. Yeah. The only time that we are going to shine favorably on 41 pass attempts for Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> at least Kittle Debo and Brandon Ayuk all had double digit targets, which yeah. his fans seem to be clamoring for each and every week. I, I, um, I would be willing to bet that that will not happen again this year. They will not. all. Hopefully not. It doesn't sound like it's a recipe for success. Yeah, if it does, they'll probably lose that game, too. There you go. Well, uh, even though it was a loss on Sunday for the 49ers, we appreciate you sticking with us on the 415ers reaction episode every single Monday. We'll be back on Wednesday and then, of course, Friday every single week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Download, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars only. Mark, thank you so much, and uh, I'll talk to you on Wednesday, man. Yes, sir. See you in a bit. All right, everyone. Take it easy. You've been listening to the 415ers podcast. We'll talk to you next time.